he went through chemotherapy and radiation and he did did great with that it was really hard but um did wonderful and was progressing well we had brain scans every other month for about a year and then almost to the year mark he just kind of feel, started feeling a little dizzy and we had had a brain scan three weeks before so no one really thought anything of it because the brain scan was clear right um but it was progressively he was getting more and more dizzy so we they did another brain scan and found that the tumor in that short time had grown back and was all throughout his brain Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. Today we are talking to an incredible woman that has faced the saying, when it rains, it pours, truly. She has six children, ages 21 to 13, two 13 year olds actually, and they have issues ranging from cataracts to Lyme disease, epilepsy, and um an MTHFR gene mutation, which means you don't process folic acid very well. And um, she also had her husband pass away back in 2012. So this is Cindy Cloninger. So Cindy, are you ready to share your story of hope? I am ready. Awesome. (laughs) I'm glad that you used the term when it rains, it pours. My brother told me, I think you live on an island where it only pours. You know, after you sharing a little bit of your story with me, I completely agree. My goodness, you have been through the ringer. And so it's incredible to me that you have such optimism and faith when you have gone through so many things. Most people would say, okay, I'm done, you know, but you've just kept going and and kept your faith in God. And that is incredible to me. So why don't we start... um, and set, why don't you set the stage for us and, and tell us maybe the beginning of your story and how, how this leads up to where we are today. Okay, so we had the perfect, charmed life. My husband uh, was in the military. He served as an enlisted soldier um, in 1989 in Germany when the wall came down and he enlisted um, or volunteered and went over in the first Gulf War, got out, went through medical school, um, and re-entered the military as a podiatrist there and served again um, in Operation Iraqi Freedom. We have five beautiful children, and we have our youngest son who was adopted from Kunming, China. And we were living the perfect life and were extremely happy. We were actually looking to adopt more children. We had two foster children with us and my husband came home from work and had a horrible headache, the worst of his life. And I knew immediately things, something was wrong and things were different. And they found a brain tumor 
and a glioblastoma multiform stage four wow. cancer. And that drastically changed our lives. I bet it did. My goodness. So once you had the diagnosis, um, talk me through what happened next. So he, he was, um, they did brain surgery on him and he was in the hospital in intensive care for about two weeks, mm -hmm. um, where we saw many, many miracles. Uh, one being that as a physician, you know, how would this impact him being able to practice? And all of the doctors were astounded that when he came in, he didn't have any symptoms. The only symptom he had was headaches. Right. Because at that point, most people would have, you know, partial paralysis or oh. vision loss, um, seizures, things like that. And he had nothing. Okay. And following the surgery, they said, expect these things. And right. again, he had nothing. Wow. And looking back at it, had he had any of those symptoms, he would never have been able to go back to practicing medicine right. and doing surgery. So that's a huge blessing and a huge miracle when I've questioned, like, why couldn't he just stay at home with me? But who my husband was and his dedication to serve and help other people and his patients especially, it was a beautiful miracle for him to continue being who he was. Right. So we... Had the surgery, um, and he was back to practicing medicine within three weeks. I think he did his That's first amazing. surgery. Amazing! Wow. Four weeks after brain wow. surgery, and um, he went through chemotherapy, and radiation, and he did did great with that. It was really hard, but um, did wonderful and was progressing well. We had brain scans every other month for about. A year and then almost to the year mark he just kind of feel, started feeling a little dizzy and we had had a brain scan three weeks before so no one really thought anything of it because the brain scan was clear right um but it was progressively he was getting more and more dizzy so we they did another brain scan and found that the tumor in that short time had grown back and was all throughout his brain that fast mm -hmm. Oh my word. It was, you know, less than a month's time. And um, at that point, they told us that there was nothing more that they could do for him, that he had done the course of radiation, he had done chemotherapy, and they had done the surgery that they could. So the only thing for us now was, you know, to try and prolong his life through stunting the growth of it. So within one month, it was July, from... The 1st of July to the end of July, he went from being completely independent on his own and doing surgeries with his patients to being in a wheelchair so dizzy he could hardly stand and partial, you know, paralysis or difficulty moving one side of his body. Wow. Um, How did this impact you? I mean, what were you thinking at this moment? It, it was crushing there are those moments of time that are it sounds so surreal to say it's like a movie where things just slow down but there have been few instances in my life where that that happens and it's etched in your mind um i remember just being completely broadsided 
with that knowledge. He was doing so well. His brain scans were clear. Um, and I had a choice then. I had a choice of what I was going to do, how I was going to act. And I had these six little people who were going to follow me in my choice of how to act. And I really sought God's counsel and wisdom because I had a lot of faith and I had a lot of energy that I could invest mm -hmm. in something and I didn't want to invest it in the wrong place. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I have noticed that with myself, it's like you almost come to a tipping point, like a teeter-totter, you know, and you can tip either towards faith or you can tip towards bitterness and anger. And and you kind of are poised. And there are some days you're leaning more to one side and the other. But that's almost what it's like. You have that choice. Which way am I going to tip? You know, and it sounds like that's the point you were at with it is. your husband. It, it is. And I, I remember looking back saying, is this really the planet? that God has for me. Is this really what he wanted? Am I somehow missing something? Yeah. And one scripture that kind of stayed with me was God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. And I really took an in-depth look backwards at my life to mm -hmm. try and see if there was evidence and signs and patterns that this was really where God was leading me to this point. And in that, I recognized and knew that God loved me before he wanted my best good before. And if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he wants the same thing for me going forward. He still wants my happiness. He still wants my best good. He still wants good things for me. He wasn't trying to destroy me. He wasn't trying to destroy our family. Mm -hmm. He was actually creating an eternal one. Mm -hmm. And that was pivotal. So you had to kind of focus your mind on how God sees you and your family and maybe from more of an eternal perspective, I guess. Definitely. I would say probably the biggest thing I have learned and the knowledge that I've gained through the experiences that we've had is that eternal perspective. And before like I knew of eternity, I accepted and acknowledged eternity, but now it is far more intergrained into who I am and my everyday life than it ever was before. This sense of us always going, having been existed and having a plan and being part of Heavenly Father's plan and the continuance of that. And that the time we spend here on earth is important, but it's not the entirety of our plan before I kind of focus like everything we do here on earth, like this is it. This is yeah. what's important, but this is a step in the plan. Uh -huh. And I am part of a great plan for just my family. And the time we spend on earth is just a step in that plan. But what I really want for my family extends far beyond that. That makes sense. Cause we do, we want to live with God again. And he wants that, but it's hard when our mortal brains can only process, you know, I'm born and I live and then I die. And we, we can't see what happens after that because 
we're here in mortality, but having that faith and that hope that what God promises will happen, you know, and that, so you had to kind of cling to that at this time and say, I really believe it's true. I really believe it's real. It is. It's a testing point of all the things you say you believe. Do you really believe them? Right. Do you really believe in the eternal nature of our souls? Mm -hmm. Do you really believe in God's goodness and his plan? Yeah, that is, wow. I mean, and, and it's hard to learn those things firsthand, but sometimes it almost takes something like this for us to really pause and think about those things, right? Well, and that's the, another thing is, and I think you can only gain that knowledge in hindsight is trust in that process. You know, I'll look back and be like, oh, you know, I remember being a young mom and people saying, oh, just love these years, you know, and I'm like, are you kidding my ki <laughs> kids? I want to cry every day. I don't sleep. My dirty diapers <laughs> love this, you know, but now I'm like, oh, how much I cherish all those moments that we have together, but you can't cherish it more than where you are at. That's process. true. I can't, there's no way that I could have cherished it more than I did when I was in that process or in that place. But now I recognize, you know, the importance and the gravity and the beautiful, beautiful things that we experience. And I trust in that process. And I trust in the process of me learning and gaining knowledge. That's, well, you've had to go through and, and learn it firsthand, right? Yes. So, um, take us to, so your husband was sick, he was getting worse, he was super dizzy, he was in a wheelchair. Where, where does your story go from there? So that, that started probably the hardest, the most beautiful and sanctifying part of our life. Mm -hmm. So in that state, he, he stayed in that state for about eight months. And as he declined so quickly in a month's time, we didn't think we had very much time with him at all. And um, so we, he was no longer working. And so we had taken out half of our life insurance because his il illness was terminal to be able to pay for our expenses. And we took some of that and we went on a trip together to Mexico to one location I knew that had a wheelchair access mm -hmm. and my youngest daughter celebrated her seventh birthday while we were there and people thought I was crazy they thought he was going to die away we were we were gone there it was August so mm -hmm. July he had started to decline in August and I had bought the extra insurance insurance in case he did pass away while we were there mm -hmm. that he would be able to be flown home but he didn't mm -hmm. and I remember lots of crazy thoughts and promises and pleadings going through my mind in those eight months. Oh, man. We, with our six children, my husband and I, August starts our birthdays. And we have oh. birthdays about one a month until March. And holidays start happening right then. And I remember, please, just please don't let my husband die close to any of my children's birthdays. I don't know how that would affect them for the rest of their life to have their birthday tied with their dad dying. Please don't let my husband die during this, mm -hmm. during close to one of their birthdays or what holiday. Mm -hmm. And he continued to decline 
um, he was at home and we would um, go on walks together and do things. And as he declined further and further and got to the point where I live in the house of stairs, we have three stories. Mm -hmm. And so he's six foot one, I'm five, four. Oh, gee. So it was hard for me yeah. <laughs> to help him get up and down, but it was something so beautiful I loved. And as it got harder and harder for him to move, I recounted those pleadings to Heavenly Father again, uh -huh. not to let him suffer. Another thing I pleaded as winter came was, please don't let there be very much snow this year. I don't want my husband, I don't want to stand in feet of snow and have to bury my husband. I don't want that. Mm -hmm. And um, there was also beautiful, tender things that happened during that time. He, uh, he and I both wanted him to be in our home. And I was able to care for him in our home and he remained in our home. And with the brain tumor, it got to where the lights were really hard on him and he, the room would spin. And so I would bring in an umbrella and open up the umbrella and he would hold it in bed and I would read books and we read books together. We read like five or six books wow. together and the outside situation looks and sounds horrible, but it was so, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was Memories that I wouldn't trade, and he wouldn't either. We talked about it often. I remember one time having to go out for some visits for Relief Society, um, the women's organization for our church, and he, I came home, and he had held onto the walls and got down to the kids' bedroom, and they were laying on the bed just singing primary songs. And he said, this, these times, these are the most important times of my life. This, these are the things that I cherish. And I wouldn't trade this for anything. He got to where he couldn't come downstairs. And so it was too much to have everybody around him. But one kid each meal would get to go up and sit on the bed and have dinner with dad. And as he continued to decline further, I got to have the beautiful and sanctifying privilege of shaving my husband and and helping to bathe him and care for his body. And, and I wouldn't trade those experiences. And he wouldn't either. We talked of it as, as he was able. Um, they were really hard to talk about for a long time. But they're really sanctifying. In fact, about a year after he passed away, um, there was a big debate going on about the right to die mm -hmm. and brought forward by a young woman in California who had the same, had a brain tumor, the same kind I believe as my husband did. Uh -huh. And I was prompted to share those experiences of our last several months together because they're not things you would ever ask for and they were really hard to go through, but they're not experiences you want to miss. Mm. They were, they were beautiful. And that's the trials that we have. That is one of the things I've learned is they are extremely beautiful. And I, I've come to a place where I treasure, I treasure them because of how they've changed us and what they've taught us, 
how they've helped us grow stronger together with each other and to our Father in Heaven. Wow, that is beautiful. I'm over here, tears rolling down my face. Um, what an incredible experience. Thank you so much for sharing um, that. So your husband continues to get, be able to do less things and that enables you to serve him and you found through serving him that you were able to, you found a joy and perhaps a um, refining Definitely part. Refining. Definitely refining. Oh, I can only imagine because, I mean, mother of six, I mean, you're, you're busy and you have lots of people that need you and to add a husband who is probably completely dependent on you at that point. Um, were you able to get any home health care or anything like that to come in towards the end, hospice care, or did you do everything yourself? We did. Um, because of my husband's experience in the medical field, he knew immediately who he wanted to have come and care for him. And he reached out to, we reached out to a hospice agency that had a nurse that he had done work with before. Mm -hmm. And she came out and I had had some experience with um, CNA. So she, she came out um, about once a month to check on us and see what we needed. We never did have a CNA come out. I did all of that. But um, she came out and was a wonderful, wonderful help to us and they also had a social worker come out who interviewed my husband and from his words compiled a book for us with photographs and his own stories that really? they gave to us it's so beautiful because oh, I know so all those sweet. stories uh -huh. but to have them in my husband's words is something that we cherish oh, I bet. and there was one time so he started Towards the end, he started, would get confused a little bit, and the brain tumor had effects on him. And there was a period of time where he wasn't sleeping at all. Oh. And he would try to get up and go somewhere, and he's six foot one, 180 mm -hmm. pounds. And so for three days, this had gone on all through the night. He would get up and take a few steps and stumble and fall, and I'd have to try to get him up. And he was trying to go somewhere, but I couldn't, I would try to convince him to to lay down and so I had called the home health agency and the nurse came out and the doctor who was our good friend actually came out as well and through this time we were trying to decide what to do they could see I was exhausted and they yeah. knew John and I both wanted him to stay at home but we had gone downstairs where he could hear us and discuss the possibility of maybe some respite care where he could maybe go into a facility for a couple days and allow me to get some rest and then come back. And we went upstairs and my husband tried to get up again and kept trying to get up. And he, he said, I just don't want to leave my family. How could I leave my family? And I knew it, and he was sobbing, and I knew at that point he wasn't thinking of where he had to go physically, but he knew he had to leave us in dying. And he, he was struggling with how could he leave his family. And so I asked him, I said, hey, do you want to stay with me? And he said, yes, I never want to leave you. 
And I said, you can stay with me. You can always stay with me. And he calmed right down and, and he was able to rest. And the awesome home health company had a nurse stay around the clock with me for the next two days so that I could get some sleep. And there was a few other times like that where he was just agitated and I couldn't couldn't get him to settle and he was too large physically for me to, to help him. And I was like, how can I do this? How can I do this? And I had a memory brought back to my mind of when our children were just babies, our, our oldest ones. And they would wake in the middle of the night and I would stumble into their rooms. We had the baby monitors hooked up and I would sing um, I would sing Baby Mine from Dumbo and um, Stay Awake from Mary Poppins and from My Turn on Earth, The Angel Lullaby. And I would sing it to him and then I would stagger back into our room and climb in bed and my husband would lean over and say, when I'm old and I can't remember who I am, will you sing to me? And I would think in my mind, what? <laughs> And he would say, just hearing your voice sings calms me. And I would think, I don't know how anybody's midnight singing <laughs> could be calming. But I would say, yes, yes, I will. And almost every time I sang to our babies, he would say that to me. And so I had this memory brought back to me. And so I started singing the lullabies to my husband. And he would just, his body would still, and he would just get really, really quiet. And, and I wouldn't, we would, the issue would be resolved. Mm. So music helped. It did. And music that was, this, that's one of those things I love. There's those miracles in hindsight. Uh -huh. The things that I can look back and see were patterns or remembrances that were for this moment. My husband had asked his whole life for me to sing to him when he couldn't remember. And I, that was brought back to my remembrance and I was able to do that for him. It's neat how God does that. Sometimes we, we have experiences and we totally forget about them. And then in a moment when we need it, all of a sudden that little thought will come back and we'll go, oh yeah. And, and I think that's God's way of helping us because yeah, our memories aren't the best and we forget, but he can help us if we're listening um, to remember the things that are, that are important for us to remember. And he does it for no other reason than just solely that he loves us. Yeah. One of the most significant things that happened like that was with my oldest son who was, he was 15 when my husband passed away, but for probably three, maybe four years prior to my husband even getting sick, uh -huh. he started asking a question to us. We live kind of far from town, so on our trips to town or just whenever he started asking us, hey, what's February 20th? And we're like, well, we don't know anything. He's mm -hmm. like, well, is somebody born? Is it somebody's birthday on February 20th? And I'm like, no, you know, your brother was born earlier in February, but nothing on February 20th. And he'd be like, okay, you know, and now was this your husband asking my son, your son was my asking. Son. So he's probably not 12 at this time. And he just repeatedly throughout the years would ask and be like, well, 
did I get baptized on February 20th? No, no. Did dad get deployed? Is that when dad went to Iraq? Did he leave on February 20th? I just feel like there's something really important about February 20th. And mm. we would just, no, no. How about, did something in the world, like, is there like a world <laughs> event that happened? And he just kept asking us repeatedly. And it got to the point where I was like, no, you know, almost <laughs> frustrated. But I remember one time I was about ready to snap at him and we're in the car and my husband's like, nobody, there's nothing that we know. Nobody's birthdays. No, you know, not, I didn't get home from Iraq or deploy. There's nothing that we know that happened on February 20th. And he would say, oh, okay. I just, I just really feel like there's something important happened on February 20th. And this went on for years. And then we all kind of forgot about it. And the week my husband passed away, my son, who's then 15, he and I were driving. And he just gasped. And he looked over at me and said, Mom, I know what February 20th is. And February 20th is the day that my husband passed away. And this is just a tender mercy for our family. Mm -hmm. There's no other reason for God to have instilled this in my son mm -hmm. and to give this gift to our family for any other reason than to let us know he loves us, he has us in his hands, and that this is his plan all along. My husband died when he was supposed to die. Mm. And God knew years before the time when that day would be. And he comforted us by implementing this little miracle throughout the years into our life. Wow. That is very sweet. Uh, so thankful. I hope you've written this down. <laughs> because that's that's an amazing story and and it probably helped your son a little bit with the grieving process because he was only 15 that's that's a hard age period you know but um speaking of your children how how did they handle your husband's illness and death how how did that go you said you had chosen to be okay with it and to you know kind of tip towards faith but how did your children handle it well, and so my children, um, in, at the time my husband passed away, I had a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, an uh, 11, I think, a son that had just turned 8 and two seven year or 7-year-old and 6-year-old. Maybe he had just turned 7. But um, I felt that huge responsibility, that way of my kids were going to look to me and they were going to follow me wherever I chose to put my faith. Right. And um, one of the things I chose to do, which I'm so thankful that I did, is every night we would kind of gather together for family prayer. But I took a few minutes at that time to ask them if they had any questions and to ask them if there are things they, they wanted to ask or they didn't understand. I found that people where they wouldn't say things to me, and this is still true today, they would actually say them to my kids. So someone might not come to me as a widow and say, Hey, are you dating? But oh. they don't have any problem going to my kids. <laughs> my kids. You're like, okay. <laughs> and so, and that can cause a lot of feelings for them, but they did this as my husband was ill too. And I had, you know, kids that were in first and second grade. And so their peers might say things or they might have misconceptions. So we sat every night and I'm like, are there any questions that that any of you have. You know, one thing I want you to know is that every person that has cancer doesn't die because I didn't want them 
to have these broad misconceptions? Are there things people are saying to you or, or things you don't understand? And it was wonderful, the little questions that would come out of that. And our home during that time was a place, it was a sanctuary. It was an incredible, peaceful, uplifting feeling. And the only way I can describe it is your a buoyancy. Like it was a light place. You can think, and I look at the situation and think, wow, that would be a really hard place, hard all the time. Heavy almost. Heavy, you would yeah. think heavy, like sinking instead of floating, exactly. right? <laughs> but that compensating blessing that the Lord gives you because of the trial you had, that has been placed on you, it was beautiful. And, and it was buoyant. And I received revelation and energy and strength during that time to guide my kids and to do things that I wouldn't have thought possible. Mm-hmm. So my kids all, they're amazing. They're better than I ever was. They're better than my <laughs> husband was. But they they chose that faith too. And one of the things that I think has been really helpful for us is to express those truths and those things that we've learned. One of the things that happens, I think, when you're in trials or you're in situations that people have a lot of preconceived ideas or or they try to reconcile your situation and they try to say comforting things to you, mm-hmm. but a lot of times they're not very comforting. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have not gone through the same thing. <laughs> like, hang in there. I didn't know there was another choice. Oh, you got this because you were stronger. I think my brother made oh. an accident of saying that to me one time. And I was like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It doesn't comfort anyone. <laughs> I remember learning the same thing. I remember we lived in the South when my kids were diagnosed with autism. And one of the favorite phrases down there is, um, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. You know, I remember one day somebody said it to me. I'd heard it a million times and somebody said it to me and I was just having a particularly difficult day. And, and I remember saying to myself afterwards, yes, he does give us more than we can handle because I'm not handling this very well right now. And it it like clicked and I'm like, of course he gives us more than we can handle. It's like somebody bench pressing you increase the weight at some point so that you can get stronger, right? right? And I think it's the same thing. He's going to give us more than we can handle all by ourselves, but he doesn't give us more than we can handle with his help. Right. And it goes right along with Paul's statement that when I'm weak, then I'm strong. It's only when I can recognize I can handle it on my own. I do not have the skills or capacity, but then I look to the strongest, most powerful, loving source that there is and that is my savior jesus christ Mm -hmm. and with his help i can handle it but first i have to realize i'm lower than the dust of the earth (laughs) yeah right i know that led when i was going through my trials i found the scripture in philippians chapter 4 verse 13 and it says um i can do all things through christ which strengtheneth me and there were days when i would like repeat that over and over and over in my mind because i was like so full of anxiety and panic just kind of like a reminder constant you can do this tamra just lean on god you can do this and and it's interesting that we each learn that lesson at some point that we feel so weak we cannot do it on our own um and so we have to lean on god right well, and getting all those misconceptions that we've gathered 
all those untruths and then, you know, disputing them. And I, that happens to me every day. You know, I think sometimes I mistakenly think I'm the parent of my children and my husband will step in and be like, wait, 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 (laughs) I got this. Remember, I'm still here. I'm still their father. I'm still your husband. And he takes care of things. And I remember, yeah, I'm not the only parent that my children have. So do you feel that even though he is gone, that he is still with you? A hundred percent. One of the phrases and truths that I have taken and I is that he's gone, but not taken. God took him from us physically. He's gone, but he has not taken him from us at all, ever. I um, One particular time that really stands out was I had been up for several nights with three sick kids and I was just exhausted and it got to be about 9 p.m. at night and my older kids had had rough weeks at school and my sweet little daughter who was about 12 Mm -hmm. at the time had this riddle math problem. Oh gosh. From (laughs) school. No, no math. If you have four cups here and you know and she did this riddle problem and I remember just even struggling to focus to read the story problem and I was like are you kidding me and I'm like look to my oldest son Austin I'm like Austin can you help her he's like I my brain is mush I can't even help so I looked at my sweet little daughter and I said just go to school tomorrow and tell your teacher everyone in your family is too stupid to help you and I promise that he will help you knowing that her teacher would but she she strives for excellence and she wants to do her best in everything and she burst into tears oh bless her and so I walked over she was at the kitchen table and I walked over to the couch and I just closed my eyes crying and I'm like I can't do this I cannot be both parents I don't have the capacity you're gonna have to help her John like you tell her the answers I can't do it. And immediately a picture opened up in my mind exactly how to solve the problem. And I'm a little slow and catching on. So I jumped up and I said, I'm brilliant. I'm brilliant. I have the answers. So I ran over and I helped her work out her problem. And I raised my hands in the air. I'm like, I am so awesome. (laughs) The next day I had a little come to Jesus moment and went down and gathered my kids and apologized that it really had nothing to do with me, that that was their father. And the thing that I love about that story is I told him to go help Amber. I said, I can't do it. I don't have the capacity as a mother to be both parents for all my children. You go help your daughter. But he gave me the means to help her. And there have been repeated times over and over and over again where he has helped me to parent in the way he would, or he has helped my children in very real ways. And it's not just the big stuff. He, I remember sitting um, at karate watching my son, and he has these awesome sailing through the air kicks that six feet high. Uh huh. And. I was looking at him just sailing through the air 
and I felt my husband smile and just grin sitting next to me. And I, to the point I turned and looked at the spot next to me. There was nothing important there. It wasn't a competition. It was just an everyday practice at karate, mm-hmm. but he, he's doing now what he's always done. He's being a father. He's enjoying being a father. He loves them. He comforts them. He supports them and he enjoys just being around us. A lot of the times, the most time I feel him is when we're just hanging around at our house doing nothing, just family. That's so sweet. So it's not that you can see him like a physical angel there, but you can feel him. It's more of a feeling. For me, yes. And I think everybody kind of receives experiences in different ways in, in what they need. While I would love and I plead for opportunities to see him i don't need that for my faith Mm -hmm. to remain where it is and if i could choose for me to have it or my kids to have it i would say give that experience to my kids but um i think for everyone it's different right and i as close as i live to the spirit and to the lord is in direct alignment with how I feel him near. If I'm distancing myself from the spirit or the Lord, then I don't have those opportunities as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are significant, some aren't, and some are just just because the Lord loves us. Yeah. And he provides. I call them postcards from heaven. Postcards you know? from heaven. I there's, love it. There's physical things and but there's just little things, you know, that my husband loves Trans Ams. And there'll be times I'm like, oh. And I'm, my friend will be like, that was John saying you're hot. You're hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's your little postcard from heaven. Yes. <laughs> hey, sweetie, I'm thinking of you. There's that Trans Am, right? <laughs> that is so sweet. Oh, my goodness. So one of the lessons then that you've learned is that even though they're gone, they're not taken. Not at all. Definitely. That is And beautiful. that's a truth that, um, because going into this, you know, with the knowledge, okay, my husband's sick and, and we're going to lose him physically. He's going to die. Here's what I think about it. Here's kind of what I can gather of the knowledge I already have of what I think that will look like. But the things that I've been taught and have experienced are different. And I feel like I've been entrusted almost with those experiences and trials because the Lord knows and expects me to share them and teach them. The truth the world tells us versus the reality of it, which is beautiful. And it's sacred and sanctifying and it's hard and it's not all sunshine and roses. No. It's pretty not good on Lots of days. <laughs> that is very true. That is very, very true of life. So besides the gone but not taken, what are some other lessons that you've learned through this process? I started collecting these truths um, through his illness and especially right after his death. I would work myself up. I felt like I'd wake up in the morning feeling really heavy and just overwhelmed and I would build myself up all day long. And then I would go to sleep and wake up in the morning and he started right back where I was. And so I 
was like, how can I sustain this? I, I can't, I have to build, keep building. I can't start, keep starting over mm-hmm. morning after morning. And so I started just keeping notebooks everywhere and writing down truths. And they were my truths, little things that touched me, just like a little phrase or a line from a song or something someone would say to me. Now is this, would you write it throughout the day or yep. just whenever the I inspiration have, whenever, struck? Yeah, whenever the inspiration struck. I have notebooks in my car, in my purse, on my bedside table, and I just kind of call them like my life mantras, you know, and one mm-hmm. of them is, you know, God's not destroying my family. He's creating an internal one. And despite the forecast, I can live like it's spring. Like that has a lot of meaning for me. Um, in springtime, it's that renewal that's overcoming that coming, overcoming death. Mm-hmm. And it is um, a rebirth and it's a focus and a, a symbol of our Savior. Mm-hmm. And for me, that has significant meaning in my life. We have trials to pass through, but... That's kind of the winter, right? Yeah. My hope is not life. Like, my hope is in the spring. My hope is eternal. My hope is is founded in the truth that while things might look, you know, bleak, they really aren't. My husband's had died, but he's not taken from us. He's mm-hmm. still just as much a part of our life as he ever was. And in a lot of ways, even more, because he's not tied up with the things of mortality and, and work and things like that. Right. I, our family is eternal and our family is united and we're strengthened and we're upheld. And, and the things that I thought would tear me down aren't tearing me down. They're actually giving me traction and helping me move toward. So move towards another one. So a lot of statements come about trials and and death, you know, get over it, move on. Mm -hmm. But the thing that has really resonated with me is moving toward that John and I in life had our goal and our focus and our direction where we wanted our lives to go, our family to go and where we wanted to ultimately end up. Mm -hmm. And none of that has changed. And I'm not moving on. I'm not moving forward. I'm not getting over it. Mm-hmm. I'm moving toward. I'm doing what I always have done. That because this huge trial and this shift has happened in our life, but really nothing has changed. The essence of who we are and what we're working for hasn't changed. I'm moving toward. I'm moving towards this. So you're moving toward him, living with yep. God and your family again. Yes. So just keep that in mind. It's moving towards. Yeah. That. And that helps me on my worst days. You know, I, I don't track time. People will say, how long has it been? How this? I intentionally don't keep track of time. Mm-hmm. If I happen to stumble upon it, I look at it differently. I'm six years closer to my husband. Mm-hmm. I haven't been apart from him for six years. I'm six years closer to him. That is a really smart way of looking at it. You're six years closer to seeing them again. Right. Which oh, is I why love I love that. Gray hair. Hey, it does. <laughs> it shows the passing of time, and it shows that we've earned every single one of them. So I, I'm with you there. I'm embracing my gray. <laughs> now, I remember when we were first talking, you talked to me a little bit about um, how there was so much happening that 
it was almost overwhelming for you and you would put some stuff in folders in your mind. Could you explain that process to me? Yeah. Because that I, that's kind of stuck with me. Yes. So um, when my husband got sick and passed away, I was in the misconception that if you have one trial, you have one and done, you're done. Yes. <laughs> we wish it was that easy. You get a free pass for the rest of your life. Um, but that's, that's not. So uh, our youngest son that's adopted from China, he, he has some health issues. He was born with clump, club feet and has distal arthrogryposis. And he has had 10 surgeries, been in wheelchairs for over six months. And a lot, couple of those have happened since my husband passed away. And uh, the year my husband passed away, my youngest daughter developed epilepsy and has taken our family on a huge roller coaster with that. My son served an LDS mission in um, you know, Piora, Peru, mm -hmm. and contracted dengue fever twice, one of them being hemorrhagic dengue fever, and was hospitalized in, in a very scary state for quite a little while. And so... This was all after your husband passed yes, away. Yes. So things, things haven't gotten easier. I didn't get a free pass mm -hmm. on trials. And there's... You listed some of them in mm -hmm. my, my bio, but there's things that have come about. And as I start to share with people, you know, get the shocked look on your face. And then, <laughs> then your the mouth hangs open and, you know, yeah. the shock. And how can you even do this? And I just have one, one folder and it's labeled fun and everything goes in it. And we just call it fun. <laughs> Even these hard things, you throw them in the folder in <laughs> they your brain. They go in the folder labeled fun. But I've been able to do that because I, I've i taken ownership of those trials too. And I, I see their value. They're not things I would ask for, but they're not things I would trade either. So in your trials, you, you've chosen to find the little... I don't know what you would call them. Sunbursts, I guess, maybe yeah. from heaven. This is hard, but look at these experiences. Look at these experiences that you're having with this child because of it. You're spending more time with them. Even though it's hard and they might be having seizures or something like that. I'm sure I can't even imagine how hard that would be, but you're able to find those little nuggets or sunbursts within well, those trials. In the so. refiner's fire, you want all of the unimportant things burned out of your life. That's you want the dross burned out. And when significant trials happen in your life, it's really quickly, it really quickly becomes apparent what's important and what you focus on and nothing else really matters. And you have that clarity. My older son gave me an analogy that I have clung on to. Mm -hmm. And he says, look at a mountaintop, like a really steep mountain. And what do you notice about it? And he's like, you see all the trees and the green. And especially this time of year in the spring, mm -hmm. another reason I love spring, it's really green and it's beautiful. But you get about a third of the way from the top mm -hmm. and it changes. Mm -hmm. There's not green. You don't see trees, that top third of the mountain. It's rocky. There's no growth. It's in the valleys that we grow. It's in those hard things. We all want to be on the mountaintop. We all want that vista. And from time to time, the Lord gives us those views so we can see where we've been and where we're going. But it's in those valleys 
that we grow. I love the story and in the Old Testament of Caleb. Caleb, you know, because of his faithfulness, when they finally get to the promised land, they're all given their inheritance. Mm -hmm. And he declares, give me this mountain. He doesn't ask for the easiest part. He asks for the hardest part Mm -hmm. because he sees the value in it, that that is the best place that you grow and you get what you really want. Mm -hmm. And so I've taken ownership of that. Mm -hmm. I know I've been entrusted with trials, but I know their value. And taking ownership of it helps me to get that momentum I need to understand and recognize that growth, that I'm not a victim. I chose this. Mm -hmm. And if given the chance, I would choose it again because of how it benefits me and how it benefits my family. It really does teach us the things that I truly want. Yeah, I, I bet it does. What, what do you think are some of the, the things you're, not only you, but your children have gleaned from all these difficult experiences? I mean, I would imagine, like my children, for example, I have two on the autism spectrum and two that are typical, I guess we'd call them. And I noticed that my two typical ones are so much more sensitive to anybody with special needs. You know, they've just grown up with it. And so to them, they see anybody and they're not intimidated by someone with special needs. They just want to love them. And so that's something that I've noticed with my kids. What what have you noticed with your children? Well, their desire and ability to do hard things. Um, we've been labeled lots of things. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> we've been, you know voodoo people stay away from us because if you're around us you might catch all the trials <laughs> but um my one one of my sons teased we get awards because our life sucks <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> so i think hard things they know they can they can do them they they aren't scared and intimidated by the hard things in life and they offer encouragement but we have all these tools and all these experiences that we know are of value in approaching different trials that come and not expecting that life is, is going to be easy and finding that value and that ownership that, yes, you know, there is, it's in the valleys that we grow. We, yeah. My husband and I used to joke that in heaven before we came to earth, mm-hmm. we were in separate rooms and signed up for all of our trials and then came out and compared notes and we're like, oh, oh no. And then my, <laughs> one of my older daughters was like, and all of us kids were in separate rooms and signed up and then we all came out and compared notes. Oh, that's funny. Oh, we're going to have our hands full down there on earth, right? <laughs> that's funny. That's really, really cute. But they'd have compassion and the biggest thing that I can teach them that I think any parent wants to teach, you're not always going to be around, but what source you go to to find the answers. And they know that. They know that it's not on their own strength that they can do things, but it's through the Savior mm-hmm. and strength in the Lord that they can do hard things. And you do want your kids to know that because that's the only way you get through. Yeah. Or it's the only way I've gotten through, right? And a good sense of humor. We joke about it all the time, and <laughs> and we have fun. You you just because hard things happen to you and really sad things happen, one 
emotion doesn't govern your life. We can laugh and we have lots of fun and we have lots of tears and we have lots of hard times, but. Wow. So what advice would you give to someone who's experiencing that maybe is in that growing part of heading into the valley of their life, they're experiencing like a super, super hard thing right now. What, what nuggets of advice would you give to someone who's going through a hard time? Um, well, I trust the journey and the process is one thing it, you learn step by step and you learn a piece of the time. And I, along with everyone else, sometimes want to speed up that process and I want to get to the end and have all those solutions and answers and perspective. But the path is winding and it's weaving and you have to trust the tools and the information insight you gain along the way or glean along the way. Um, some of the things that I did um, to help me that is write things down. I talked about that a little mm-hmm. bit is just writing down those truths that you have that are your truths and then speak those to other people. Write down those evidences of God's hand in your life every single day. Um, allow yourself to feel. I, I gave myself permission to kind of feel, but not get stuck in my feelings. I, put process in place. I told myself, even on my worst day, I can go outside for 15 minutes. And I forced myself to do that Mm -hmm. because I don't want to get stuck in a feeling, but I allow myself to feel, and I don't, I don't feel bad about that. If I cry, have an ugly cry at the grocery store, which I do a lot, (laughs) (laughs) then that's okay. Mm -hmm. If I'm tired or too tired to do this, it's okay. I'm okay with that. And then for me, I'm in the valley, mm-hmm. but I do need that escape from the valley and that view from the mountaintops. And for me, that is getting to the temple. And for others, that might be meditation or prayer or some other things, but find that source where you come back and you come out of it rested and renewed and strengthened. And you've kind of gotten out of the valley for a minute. You've gotten to the mountaintop and you've looked back and been like, oh yeah, I can see where this path is taking me. And you can look forward through the peaks of the mountains and say, yep, that's my course. That's my direction. There's purpose in me climbing up this mountain. Mm -hmm. And that gives me that renewed strength and perspective to kind of keep keep moving forward and for me I need it weekly yeah I bet you do and sleep I am always I'll stay up too late and then sob my eyes out I don't know why I'm having such a hard time so get your sleep (laughs) if you can (laughs) easier said than done (laughs) oh yes oh my goodness gracious um so these are awesome tidbits of advice. Are, are there any final little bits of advice or uh, tips that you would share with someone going through a hard time? Be easy on yourself and where you're at is okay. I think the easiest thing that we all try to do is push ourselves to be further ahead along the path than we are. 
Mm. Um, accepting that the challenges change you. And they change. That was one of the really hard things for me to accept because I anticipated I would feel really intense grief and sorrow and sadness and I would have really hard days and I would miss my husband terribly, but I didn't anticipate how it changed me, who I always was, how I reacted to things. And, and that was, that was a hard thing. And accepting that I'm a different person now. I'm not as good with words as I used to be. My memory is gone. I don't have the stamina that I used to have. I get really tired. Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, whip up a dinner for nine, a family of nine in 30 minutes. I really have to think about it. So I've had to, to accept who I am, accept that my challenges have changed me a little bit and not be frustrated with myself, but learn how to work with that and, and love myself. The other huge thing mm -hmm. that is important and we undervalue and hide is sharing with others. I love, love, love just the fact that we, God sent us to earth not alone, but together. And the reason he did it is because as we share our weaknesses and our struggles with each other, we help and strengthen each other. The way that I've been able to make my path is by looking ahead on the path and seeing the light of others that are further along on the path. They got that far. If I can get that far, mm -hmm. I can make it. This is how they overcame this obstacle, or this is how they navigated that well. I gained strength from that. And often, I think we, we only try to put our best foot forward and show our best side and not our weaknesses and not our moments of frustration and insecurity and loneliness and all the ugly crying. Yeah. But I think if we did more of that, we help each other. I love, there's in the geese and ducks fly into V formation. Mm -hmm. And what they do is the one who is facing the hardest obstacle, the headwind is at the front. Mm -hmm. And then further back are the ones who are ill or broken or older and they aren't facing the headwind mm -hmm. but what they are doing is they honk and they honk as encouragement to the one who's facing the headwind mm. and I love that lesson all of us at different times are ill and broken and mended and we we need help and we need encouragement and at times we are out in the front we're facing the strongest headwind mm -hmm. but what keeps them going are the ones at the back who are honking and offering that encouragement to them along the way and i need i need other people i need their wisdom i need their experiences and stories and their strength mm -hmm. and their insight that is awesome. What are some of the experiences you've had with other people doing something that was helpful and not saying something that was maybe not as helpful? What were some of the things that were helpful to you when you were going through your rough patches? Well, sometimes those nice friends reminded me of my own words, you know, when I'm like, oh, they're like, remember, you're six years closer. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot because I forget a lot of things. Um, 
I also just some guideposts. I my very first widow friend was my next door neighbor when we lived in Fort Hood, Texas, Colleen. And her husband was a helicopter pilot and was killed. And just a few short months after he passed away, um, she uttered the words, I want to live my life every day so that if he ever walked back through our front door, he would recognize the family that he left. Mm. And eight years later, when I became a widow, that became my guidepost. Mm. You're lost. Your world is upheaved and you don't know what your purpose is anymore. Mm -hmm. But I had my purpose. My purpose was to live my life every day so that if my husband walked the door, he would see that same family. I had a guidepost. Mm. Um, there's countless experiences like that that I just, I've had to um, anchor my faith in and to be able to look forward with hope. Just a few more steps. Mm -hmm. Actually on my phone, my screensaver says succeed today. <laughs> Another thing that happens with, you know, losing a spouse is everyone wants to know what your plans are for the future. You oh. don't even know what you're going to do the next five minutes. And that can be really <laughs> overwhelming if you put those, you know, weights on your shoulders that what are you going to do in a year? What are you going to do here? But just today, take it a day at a time. If I can do the three most important things for the day, I succeeded today. Mm -hmm. and not put those huge obligations on myself that take me further out than I'm able to see. Yeah, so just take it day at a time. Yes. That is huge. Or sometimes a minute. And, and if you're a friend, don't ask what's five years down the road or ten <laughs> right. years down the road. Just say, how you doing today? <laughs> well, that's one piece of advice to give to people who want to approach someone who's in the depths of trials is a lot of times you avoid approaching them because you uh -huh. don't know what to say. Right. Um, but one of the things that's really hard is you go out in public and people start asking really, really difficult questions. How are you doing today? How's it going? How are you feeling? And those are really hard questions. So turn those into statements instead of asking, how is it going? How are you doing? It's really good to see you. That's a statement. I'm glad you're here. We love you so much. I'm glad you came. You know, those statements can express your love and concern, but they don't ask those questions that... That you don't want to answer well, right and now. you don't really have an answer for. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I worked really hard not to ugly cry before I left the house, and I don't want to do it right now. So right. those statements... I like statements. See, that is awesome. And in I our culture, to know that. we've just turned it into... That's our greeting. It's not hello. It's hey, how are you? And you walk past someone before they even. It's the natural greeting in our culture. But a statement is conveys so much more love and peace than an upending question to someone who's in the midst of a trial. Oh, that is that is wise. I think I need to implement that because I've been guilty of that one. I hope I haven't offended too many people that are going through art times. But that's a really good way to do it. Good to see you. I love that. Oh, wonderful. Wow. Well, you have just blessed us with all of your wisdom today. And I am just so thankful that you took the time out of your busy schedule with all these cute kids of yours to share with us just 
tidbits of wisdom that mean so much. They're worth their weight in gold. So thank you. Thank you. I am humbled for this opportunity to meet you. And hope is a wonderful and awesome thing. And having even one guidepost and one lamp ahead of you on the way is is powerful. So I hope I can be that for someone else. Oh, I'm sure you will. So if there's somebody that has just really resonated with this and they wanted to connect with you online, was there a place they could find you? I mean, are you on Facebook or? <laughs> I am on Facebook. Um, I have John-Cindy Cloninger. That's C-L-O-N-I-N-G-E-R. And then I'm, we're in the process of getting a website up and I'm working on a book, but we're not there yet. But I will post all those links and details as they come on that Facebook page. So. Awesome. So if you want to connect with Cindy, she's on Facebook. And more to come. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Cindy, for sharing all this with us. And to all of you out there that are struggling, hope on. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. I know that there are many of you out there that are going through a hard time, and I hope you found things that have been useful today as you listen to the podcast. If you would like to access the show notes from today's podcast, visit my website. It is storiesofhopepodcast.com. That is where you'll find favorite quotes from today's episode and shareable memes. And those are fun because you can share them with your friends on social media. You will also find the links mentioned throughout today's episode, so you don't have to remember what those were. And also all the tips that were shared. Sometimes tips are shared so much throughout an episode, you forget what were those great things. So go to the show notes, storiesofhopepodcast.com to look up these fantastic resources. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a tip that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this episode with them. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help bear that burden. Above all else, remember God loves you.